Chapters 15 and 16 of The Girl from Malta by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 15. Marchese Matteo Vassella. After reading Roper's letter, Ronald went to Foster's chambers and showed it to him. The barrister read it in silence and then laying it down on the table looked hard at Monteith. You see, I was right, he said, tapping the letter with his fingers. "'Miss Cotterner is, as I thought, the sister of Mrs. Verscoyle.' "'Yes,' replied Ronald quickly, "'but she has nothing in common with her.' "'Ah, you think not? Let me see.' Taking up the letter and glancing over it, "'they both have tempers. "'Any woman would show temper living with such a fiend as Mrs. Verscoyle,' retorted Ronald, defending Carmela. "'They both loved the same man, meaning Verscoyle.' But Carmela's love for him was only a girlish fancy, as she says herself in Mrs. Dexter's diary. In short, said Foster, replacing the letter on the table, you are so much in love with her that you cannot see her imperfections. I am not blind to them, if that's what you mean, retorted Ronald doggedly. But all I know is I love her and intend to ask her to be my wife. Ah, well, as soon as this mystery is cleared up. I understand said Foster, rising from his chair and walking to and fro. But, judging from this letter of Roper's, the elucidation seems as far off as ever. I don't see that, for, taking all things into consideration, I am inclined to think Mrs. Verscoyle is telling a lie. Oh, so you believe she was on board the Neptune that night? Ronald nodded. There's no proof. Certainly not any actual proof, said Ronald quietly. But I think it is very probable that Roper's theory is correct, and she did leave her bedroom, lock the door, and then return without anyone seeing her. Well, the whole affair is easily settled. Go and see Miss Cottoner or Vassala and ask them if Mrs. Verscoyle came on board. They will certainly know. I don't believe Miss Cottoner knows anything about it, said Ronald angrily. If they quarreled before leaving the house, you may be certain that Mrs. Verscoyle never came near her on the boat. But Miss Cottoner might have seen her sister. She might, but I won't ask her. Well, my dear boy, said Foster, rather annoyed at this sentimental obstinacy, go and see Vassella. Yes, I'll do that. He'll be able to tell me whether she was on board or not. No doubt, if it suit him to acknowledge it, retorted Foster dryly. What do you mean? asked the Australian impatiently. You think... I mean nothing, I think nothing, replied the other quickly. Go and see the Marchese Vassala, and then tell me what you discover. And then? Well, then it depends on his answers regarding our next move. Ronald put on his hat and gloves, then taking his leave, went outside into the roar and bustle of Fleet Street. Through an archway he could see the quiet temple gardens, and could not help contrasting their solitariness and charm with the turmoil on the pavements. Hang it, he said to himself as he watched the busy crowds rushing past. Everyone here seems to live with their watches in their hands. I should not like to live here, but I suppose I'll have to stop till I find out all about Verscoyle's death. And this last reflection putting him in mind of his engagement, he stepped into a hansom and drove off to the Langham Hotel to see Vassella. Vassella was upstairs in a private sitting-room enjoying his breakfast when Monty's card was sent to him. Carmela had gone out with Sir Mark and his daughter, so the Marchese felt perfectly secure against the chance of Ronald meeting her. 
He dreaded the meeting, because disagreeable explanations might be made which would reconcile the lovers and ruin all his carefully prepared schemes. As he looked at the card thoughtfully, he was rapidly running over in his mind the reasons which might make Ronald thus seek him. No feasible one, however, presenting itself to him, he told the waiter to show the gentleman up and quietly went on with his breakfast. "'He has a some reason for coming,' he muttered quietly, "'and I'll find it out. Don't trouble yourself, Mr. Monteith. Friend or enemy, I'm equal to either.' He arose from his seat with an enigmatical smile on his face as the Australian entered and held out his hand. The other took it with a slight reluctance which was noticed by the clever Maltese gentleman. Hum, he thought. Not quite friendly, I see. Ronald took a seat, declined the offer of breakfast, and prepared to talk. Miss Cottoner is out, he said coldly. Yes, with Sir Mark Trevor and his charming daughter replied Vassella. Do you wish to see her? No, I want to see you. Me? The foreigner's eyebrows went up. Well, I am at your disposal. It is about that murder that took place on board the Neptune, said Ronald, going straight to the point. Ah, indeed, said the Marchese quietly. A most interesting subject. Have you discovered anything yet? Yes, many things. Such as will lead to the detection of the assassin, I presume. I don't know, answered Ronald shortly. That's a pity. Can I assist you in any way? I think you can. Then you may command my services, replied the Marchese politely. Thank you. I will take advantage of your offer, said Ronald, glancing at the impassive face before him. Vassala bowed, folded his arms, and, leaning back in his chair, prepared to listen. "'In the first place,' said Ronald, "'you knew him?' Vassala shook his head. "'No, I had not the honour of Mr. Venton's acquaintance. "'His name was not Venton.' "'Indeed?' "'No, it was Leopold Verscoil.' "'Leopold Verscoil,' repeated the Marchese, looking at him sharply. That was the name of the man who married my cousin. Yes, and from whom he was afterwards divorced. Exactly, said Vassala. I see you know the whole story. So he is the man who was killed. He was, and I want to find out who killed him. The eyebrows went up again incredulously. I hope you will succeed, said Vassala politely. But in what way can I help you? Do you know anyone who desired his death? No. Not even his wife? Vassala rose to his feet with a bound and looked fiercely at Ronald. This is an insult, sir, he hissed out between his teeth. Do you dare to accuse my cousin of the murder? I accuse no one, retorted Ronald coolly. I merely asked you if his wife would have been sorry at his death. Vassala threw himself back in his chair with a short, angry laugh. "'Upon my soul, sir,' he said coldly, "'I hardly recognize your right to speak to me about such a thing. But as you seem so bent on knowing, I think she would have been very sorry indeed.' "'Oh, then she still loved him.' Vassala cast his fine eyes up to the ceiling. "'Passionately.' 
That is curious, said Ronald sardonically, as I have a document in my possession written five or six years ago in which she threatens to kill him. Indeed, and how did you obtain such a document? I found it among some papers left by Verscoil with his sister, Mrs. Taunton. Ah, Vassella thought a moment. So this was the reason Monteith was with Mrs. Taunton. It was business, not love, that brought them together. Well, at all events, he would not let Carmela know. After a moment's deliberation, he faced his adversary with a clear brow. Very likely it was written in her first outburst of jealous anger at being so betrayed by her husband. But I assure you she loved her husband deeply, in spite of the way he wronged her and often spoke of him with affection. Judging from the story told him by Verscoil and the extracts from Mrs. Dexter's diary, Ronald thought this doubtful, but restrained his desire to give an opinion on that point. Did Mrs. Verscoil come on board the night the Neptune left Malta? Vassella glanced keenly at him. Why should she? To see you and Miss Cottoner off. Suppose she did come on aboard. She might have seen her husband. Impossible. She did not know he was on board. Yes, she did. Verscoil told me he had met her in Valletta on that day. Vassella drummed quickly in an annoyed manner on the table with his fingers, then answered abruptly. She did not come on board. Oh, Ronald was disappointed. Were all his suspicions groundless after all? No, she was a confined to her room all the evening with a headache. This statement, as Ronald knew, tallied with Mrs. Dexter's diary, and he felt that after all it might be the truth, and that Mrs. Verscoil had not been on board, in which case, who was the assassin? Vassella saw the expression of disbelief flitting across Ronald's expressive face and arose to his feet. "'In order to convince you,' he said quickly, "'I will show you the letter I received from my cousin.' "'There is no need,' began Ronald, but Vassella interrupted him. "'Pardon me, there is,' he said coldly. "'I wish you to be thoroughly convinced that Mrs. Verscoil was not on a board, "'and could not have either seen her husband or have had anything to do with his death.' "'I did not say she had,' interrupted Ronald hastily. "'No, but you thought so,' retorted the Marchese as he left the room. "'Ronald arose to his feet and walked hastily to and fro. "'He was wrong, then.' Mrs. Verscoil was innocent of her husband's death. Who, then, was the assassin, for no one else appeared to have had any reason to wish him evil? Vassella himself? No, it could not be he, because he had no motive. The theory of Mrs. Verscoil's criminality having been thus effectually disposed of, there appeared to be absolutely no clue to the perpetrator of the crime. Vassella returned with the letter and handed it to Ronald, showing him at the same time the passage he alluded to. I was so sorry, said the letter, not to have been able to come down and see you and Carmela away by the boat, but I had a very bad headache and was shut up all the evening in my room. Ronald handed back the letter in silence, but first thoughtfully glanced at the writing. It certainly resembled that in the letter written five or six years ago, but he could not recollect it with sufficient clearness to satisfy himself. You are convinced, said Vassella, as he placed the letter in his pocketbook. Yes answered Ronald. I am convinced. Good-bye, and thank you for your kindness in answering my questions. A pleasure, 
said the Marchese, and bowed his visitor out with smiles, which, however, faded as the door closed. Curse at that meddling fool, he muttered to himself. Why can't he mind his own business? But I've baffled him this time, and I'll baffle him again if he interfere. 16. Carmela is questioned. Of course, Ronald went straight to Foster's office and there made his report regarding the statements of Vassella. The barrister listened to Monteith in silence, and, when he was in full possession of the facts, sat absently scribbling on his blotting paper, much to Ronald's disgust at what he deemed his inattention. "'Hang it, Foster,' said the Australian irritably. "'I wish you'd say something. You've not lost your tongue, have you?' "'No, nor my brains, either,' retorted Foster, lighting a cigarette. "'You'd better have a smoke. It will soothe you.' "'I don't want to be soothed.' "'Oh, yes, you do.' returned Gerald imperturbably. Try one of these. They are real Russian cigarettes. In order to propitiate his companion, Ronald took one and smoked away in sulky silence. Mr. Foster settled himself deliberately in his chair and, fixing his clear eyes on Monteith, began to talk. What do you think of the position of affairs now? he asked, knocking the ash off his cigarette. It seems to me that the game's up, retorted Ronald sullenly. On the contrary, the game is just beginning to be interesting, said Foster calmly. What do you mean? asked Ronald, sitting up straight in his chair. I tell you, Vassella not only told me plainly that Mrs. Verscoil was not on board, but showed me a letter in her own handwriting which confirmed it. Oh, yes, said Foster satirically. I must acknowledge it's all very beautifully arranged. Ronald looked at him in amazement. What is beautifully arranged? he asked shortly. The plot. Plot? What plot? Foster arose from his chair and walked slowly to and fro with his hands behind his back. I tell you what, my boy, he said rapidly, this thing is becoming more mysterious with every fresh discovery. Verscoil had no enemy as far as we know but his wife. We have documentary evidence saying she intended to murder him, and he was murdered at the very place where she was staying. Roper says she did not leave the house. Vassella says she was not on board. Her own letter says she was confined to her room with a headache. Fudge, I don't believe any one of them. Then you think she was on board? asked Ronald eagerly. I'm certain of it. I ask you, as a logical man, whether a jealous woman like Mrs. Verscoil, knowing her husband was on board the Neptune, could resist the temptation of seeing him? Nonsense. I tell you, she was on board, and if Vassella says she was not, he has a reason. What reason can he have? He wants to shield her from the consequences of her crime. He is her cousin, and blood is thicker than water. That is all very well, said Ronald quietly. But all your views are quite theoretical, and we cannot obtain a single particle of evidence to prove that she came on board at all. How do you know we cannot? Well, there's Roper's letter her own letter and Vassella's denial. Who else can prove she was on board? Miss Cottoner. Oh, Ronald arose and went to the window. I don't think so, he said, turning around. If Mrs. Verscoil quarreled with her sister, it's not likely she'd go near her. Perhaps not, but Miss Cottoner might have seen her. You'd better go and ask her. Ronald hesitated a moment, then made up his mind. Very well, 
I'll call at the Langham this afternoon and may possibly see her, but I think it's a wild goose chase. We'll see, said Foster shortly, returning to his books, while Ronald went off to his hotel, took a light luncheon, then, dressing himself carefully, ordered a hansom and drove to the Langham. Carmela was in, so Ronald sent up his card to her and asked for the favor of an interview. This, however, Carmela hesitated before granting, as she was very angry with Ronald's supposed treachery towards herself. Had she not seen her rival with her own eyes and been told of Monty's infatuation for that detestable woman, as she called innocent Mrs. Taunton? And now he had the bad taste to ask for an interview. Well, she would grant his request and would show him that she was not a woman to be lightly won and thrown over. What consummate actresses women are! When Ronald entered her drawing-room, he expected to find Carmela pale and anxious, through fretting over his long absence from her side, and it was rather a blow to his self-love when she came forward with a bright smiling face and outstretched hands. "'How do you do, Mr. Monteith?' she said in her low, sweet voice. "'You are quite a stranger.' Ronald muttered something about business as he took her hand and then sat down, thinking to himself that this heartless coquette could never have cared for him. Carmela, on her part, rang for afternoon tea and then began to talk lightly of the most commonplace topics, much to Ronald's secret irritation. "'Sir Mark and Miss Trevor are out,' she said gaily, leaning back in her chair, "'and it is a mere chance you found me in.' "'When do you go to Marlow?' asked the Australian abruptly. "'Next week, I think. I must confess I am a little tired of London.' "'And Vassella?' She looked annoyed. I do not know what my cousin is going to do. Ah, here is the tea. Let me give you a cup, rising and going to the table. Thank you, said Ronald mechanically. I want to speak to you on serious business. Do you indeed? Carelessly. Milk and sugar? Both, he answered, annoyed at the flippancy of her tone. This business is very serious. It must be judging from your tone she replied, giving him his tea and returning to her own seat. By the way, what did you think of the Italian exhibition? What? he said with a sudden start. Oh, yes, of course. I met you there when I was with Mrs. Taunton. Carmela winced. So her rival was a married woman. I do not know her, she said, idly balancing her spoon on the edge of her cup. No, he said, bending forward but you know a relative of hers. Indeed, carelessly. And his name? Leopold Verscoyle. Carmela let her spoon fall with a crash and turned her pale, scared face to Ronald quickly. Leopold Verscoyle, she said rapidly while her breath came quick and sharp. What do you know of Leopold Verscoyle? I know he was your sister's husband. Was? She smiled scornfully. You speak in the past tense because of his divorce. No, I speak in the past tense because of his death. Death? She arose to her feet with a look of horror in her dark eyes. Is Leopold Verscoyle dead? Yes. I will tell you all about it if you will answer a question. She sat down again, pale but composed. And the question? Was your sister, Mrs. Verscoyle, on board the night the Neptune left Malta? Yes. Ronald sprang to his feet in horror. Are you sure? Of course I am, she answered, raising her eyebrows. 
My sister and myself had a quarrel during the day, and I did not say good-bye to her at the house, so I suppose she was sorry, for she came on board and took leave of me there. But Vassella says she was not on board. Carmela looked surprised. Why, he was with her all the time. I was separated from them by the crowd, and I did not see my sister again, but Vassella told me he had seen her safely down the gangway before the ship sailed. Ronald sat wrapped in thought. So Foster was right. There was some plot on foot. He made another attempt. But I saw a letter from your sister to Vassella in which she says she was not on board, being confined to her room with a bad headache. Why should my sister write such a letter? asked Carmela angrily. I don't understand all this mystery. There was no reason why she should conceal the fact that she said good-bye to me on board the Neptune. I hope not, he said gloomily. What do you mean? I mean that your sister's husband was on board. What? She rose to her feet, looking like a tall white lily. How is it I never saw him? I would know Leopold Verscoil among a thousand. Ronald, seeing the deep interest she took in this man, became brutal. The reason you did not see him, he said coldly, was because he was murdered and his name was Lionel Venton. My God! A white heap on the floor, and Ronald bending over it, trying to bring her back to consciousness. He sprinkled some water on her face, and with a low moan she sat up, and, pushing her dark hair off her forehead, looked confusedly at him. I must have fainted, she said as he assisted her to a seat, but the shock was too much. God knows I have forgotten Leopold Verscoil many long days since. But dead? Oh, it is too horrible. Ronald sat in silence, not daring to say anything. Who killed him? she asked, suddenly looking up. I don't know. She clasped her hands over her knees and looked fixedly at him. You don't know for certain, she said slowly, but you have your suspicions, and I want to know everything. Tell me all. Whereupon Ronald told her what had happened and how the links were being slowly added to the chain of evidence that seemed to connect her sister with the crime. When he was done, she was pale but composed. It is very strange, she said in her clear voice, and I do not know what to say. I do not like my sister. She is a woman of violent temper, but I am certain she would not commit a crime. Then why does she deny being on board the night the crime was committed? I cannot say, because she certainly was. I must write and ask her. I will also speak to Vassella. There is something mysterious about this affair, but my sister must clear herself. It is too horrible that she should be suspected of such a crime. And this, with a sudden thought, is why you are always with Mrs. Taunton? Yes, she is quite distracted over her brother's death. Vassella said you loved her. Ronald sprang to his feet with a cry of anger. Then he lies. The only woman I ever did love and ever shall love is... She placed her hand on his lips. Hush! Do not mention her name till the mystery of Leopold Verscoil's death is solved. And then, he said eagerly, catching her hand. She drew it away quickly with a stifled cry. I cannot say, she said wildly, wringing her hands. God only knows the end. My sister must defend herself from this charge. I will write to her at once. 
At this moment a knock came to the door, and Carmela had just time to turn and conceal her haggard face when a servant entered with a telegram, and Ronald took it while the man retired. "'This telegram is for you,' he said, holding it out. "'For me?' she said, turning and taking it from him. "'What can it be about?' And she tore open the envelope, read the telegram, and gave a cry of delight. "'What is it?' asked Ronald anxiously. "'I need not write to Malta.' she said quickly. My sister is on her way to England. End of chapters 15 and 16